This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you do that and I'll post on YouTube while you do it. One, two, one, two, one, two. It's recording now. One, two, one, two, one, two. That's it. It's recording now. Welcome to Random Movie Generator, deep dive, uh, because uh, we must be on holiday or something, or one of us is ill. But today, David, oh, welcome, David. Sorry, I haven't said uh, hello. Thank you, sir. Not at all, absolutely. You've got to set the scene like any good film. Have you had your coffee? I just had a coffee. I've got a coffee next to me right here. Absolutely, um, in a flask, a pink flask. I um, I enjoy having it in a flask because it keeps it hot. It's a bit of a life hack that I've come up with there. I can only handle two coffees. Can you handle more? I am a bit of a coffee addict, and um, I do try to keep it to two because the third one um, will uh, love me and leave me in the sense that I get a massive caffeine boost, but then it will really <laughs> drop my energy. That's horrific. And then I'm just tra- chasing the Nescafe dragon through the day. I'm trying to give myself little boosts. And it all goes very train spotting. It all goes wrong very quickly. So two, I, like I feel that. disgusting after two. I feel disgust. I feel disgusting after one. No, I don't. I feel lovely. I feel disgusting after two. What sort of coffees do you have? Are you a uh, latte man or just your classic? Uh... Well, I got Nomi a like a proper coffee machine with beans. Oh wow! Oh, not pods. It's like beans. Oh, but it's a barista do. Like Nomi's really into coffee, so she's very exact on the bean and the heat. And yeah. Oh my gosh, that's proper. So what do you do? You grind the beans up. I grind. I grind the bean. Um, uh, welcome, stink bits, Guy Anderson. Uh, welcome. Uh, I grind the bean. So do that. Wow. Um, I heat the milk, the oat milk. Oh my lord! This is a pro- this is nothing like. Oh, mine. heat the milk and froth it up, and then I, um, you know, do the old bean business into the cup. Put the, put the milk in. Bob's your uncle. Flipping heck! I've got lots of those little um, mini plastic milks. I kind of collect them from cafes or. Um, <laughs> do you well like a rabbit? Yeah, like a rabbit sort of thing. Those little kind of um, milk ones, because they—they're like the, the exact amount you need Do for you coffee. Steal? Absolutely not, not at all. There is no, 
There's no theft involved whatsoever. If I did, I'd go to the manager and say, listen. Have you ever stolen a jacket? A jacket? <laughs> no, God, I wouldn't be that ambitious. <laughs> Do you know what? I haven't stolen anything. I st- My nan had a like a sweet shop. She had a sweet shop, like a grocery. A sweet shop? Well, she had a sweet wow. aisle in a gro- in a like a... You know, like a corner shop. She had a corner so shop. Fl- flying saucers, licorice, laces. Yeah. Fizzy, fizzy coat. Oh, it's just suddenly dawned on me. My nan had a... Fucking hell, that's amazing. And did she let you just go for it? Every now and then. I don't know. I sort of have no memory of going for it. But I do remember nicking a blackjack and feeling terrible. Goodness me. Flipping it. So when you had that black tongue, you looked at it in the mirror, you just thought... Yeah. What a simple child. Goodness but you've me. stolen seven jackets, you said, in your lifetime. Absolutely, in, in the same time. I just got one. It was so easy. I just went back in and thought, right, okay, I'll have a. This is for autumn. What am I going to have for winter? And just all seasons. But you do nab milk. Only, I, I've, got to, I've got to put myself on the book here in the sense that um, if I don't use it, I'll perhaps in my head think, well, I'll take two just in case. But in the back of my head, no, that second one um, will be ideal at home, in the cupboard, just to pop in some coffee. Yeah. Because it's the exact right amount. But it isn't purpose theftery, sort of thing. And, and, you know, if I put it in my pocket, I'll do it in front of the cashier. So if they want to um, get their stun gun out or put me in a headlock and say, Oi, sorry, sir, but that's not for you to take. They can. Oh, um, right. Okay. So it's not under the a cloak or anything. You, no, you do, no, do, do it. So okay. It's not in my sock. Okay. Like that. Okay. It's, there's nothing um, untoward to the systems, I think. Uh, welcome, everybody, who's joined us on this Wednesday morning. Uh, Stinkbits, Guy Anderson, DJ Swad, Magic Ben, Gareth Davis, 925 Hit, Alec Gosher, and anyone else who's watching. We're doing a deep dive today, David, on which movie? The 70s classic, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Actually, do you say movie or film? I don't know. I don't go with either, really. I think um, I don't even know which one I go for. I say movie or film, really. Uh, a film's coming out, a movie's coming out. Um, sometimes I might even use the word epic if I'm impressed by it. That epic's coming out. Would you? Um, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I should introduce that <laughs> more to my sort of vocab. <laughs> it's an epic. Right. It's an epic experience. So one phrase flew over the cookies nest. I had it on VHS when I was really young and I watched it so many times. I've seen it for years. When did it come out? Let let, let me settle into my little cosy chair and listen to you. Yeah, 1975, it came out. Um, it's based on a famous novel by Ken Kesse and was directed by uh, Milos Forman, who went on to do lots of um, uh, big movies after that. Um, like what? It's insane. My head's just gone completely blank. I can't think of one. <laughs> but he's a massive director. I mean, he did um, okay. the, uh, the Jim Carrey film, um, what, uh, Man on the Moon. But he's done he did. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Hair, Ragtime, Amadeus, Valmont, The People vs. Larry Flint, Man on the Moon, Goya's Ghosts. There we go. He's a well-renowned director. I mean, that was just a brain fart I had then. Do you know what I mean? I just couldn't 
think for a second what else he'd done. Um, to the extent I didn't bother writing it in my notes, he's just a very well-known director. You know, it's like saying what Spielberg done. So yeah, he's a big, big deal, but this was his number one breakthrough film into Hollywood in a big, big way. And it's got an interesting um, background to it. Um, if you want to go into that now, it's up to you. Oh, I don't want to um, go for it. Uh, in the sense that um, Michael Douglas at that point was a TV star on a cop show. And um, it was a San Francisco based cop show. I can't remember the exact title to it. And uh, which, once again, I should have um, looked up. I do apologize. Um, and um, he couldn't make his break into film because it's interesting. Back then, TV was the far more less glamorous sibling. So if you were in TV, and um, you know you were not seen as part of the Hollywood A-list in any way. Do you know what, David? I saw Samuel L. Jackson do a TV advert yesterday, the other night, and I said both me and Naomi went. Mm. What's it for? Oh, I what don't was know. It? I don't know. I was just like, I want you to remain special and untouchable. I don't want you on my TV doing adverts. Well, I think Tom Cruise and DiCaprio have done that, and it's definitely served them well in a massive way. They'll do commercials, but it'll be in Japan. Do you know what I mean? They certainly won't do it. It's like George um, Clooney started doing those uh, coffee pod ads. But although, having said that, they did make the pods more alluring to me. And I am, I'm, I'm constantly um, uh, window shopping coffee pods. So I think it did cast a spell over me <laughs> but it does kind of um oh definitely sort of some black marketing magic att attacks me but um it does make them slightly less exclusive and untouchable mm, i like my tv stars tv film stars to be exotic and from another planet well it's like um when demi moore first uh, dated bruce willis mm. they were saying that bruce willis at that point was on um Moonlighting. Moonlighting, that's it, moonlighting. And her agent said, it's not a good idea to um, to date a TV star. What? I mean, a few years later, he was on Die Hard, you know, he's doing incredibly well. But TV back then was definitely a lesser animal. agent telling animal. you not to date someone? I know. You want to focus on Hollywood stars, not a, not a TV star. And all the people um, Bruce Willis hung out with were TV stars like Woody Harrelson, Cheers, John Goodman, Roseanne. TV was seen very much as a lesser creature. Well, I've really got off topic there. Well, so way. have I, because my Amazon delivery just, she just waved, oh, she just waved wonderful at me. stuff. Yeah. Do you know what it is in the box? Can you see it? Please do. Let's, you know, Santa Claus style. Let's check it out, Captain. Here we go. I can see your reflection in the mirror. Here we go. Nice large Amazon box. Here we go. Let's let's find out what's in there. It's not for me. Oh, what? There's nothing <laughs> worse than that. God. Nothing worse. What a damp squib. Anyway, That's a damp squib. one flow of the cuckoo's nest. How many times had you seen it, David? You've seen it before. Oh, gosh, yeah, I watched it um, for my A-levels when I did film A-level. For some reason, I watched that, and um, I certainly enjoyed it. And I watched it another time at Christmas. It was on ITV2, one of their repeats over the Christmas period. So I don't know how many times I watched it. I think it's a good five or six times. Yeah. 
that I've kind of sat down and um, properly given it a watch. But Michael Douglas, he wanted to make the leap from TV into film. And um, he decided the best way to do that was to become a film producer, produce a film and then cast himself. And he bought the rights to One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, the novel. So it's very much a Michael Douglas um, brainchild. But the thing is, the person who gave him the idea to buy the book was his father, Kirk, who um, played the main character on stage to um, ripping reviews. And ripping um, reviews. I know, actually, I don't know if ripping is the right word for it, but um, uh, very positive, strong reviews, ripping reviews, ripping yarns. You've got a ripping yarn. I don't know if you can get a ripping review. Um, I guess ripping like a car ripping down a street <laughs> doesn't work. The metaphor doesn't work. Uh, we need to drop that hot um, potato. Yeah. And basically, um, uh, Kirk Douglas wanted to gripping? appear in a film. No, not gripping. Gripping. No, I don't. Um, it would be enticing. Um, euphoric reviews. Yeah. Euphoric. Um, it would have been a case of, uh, yeah. So Kirk Douglas wanted to appear in the film version. His son had bought the rights. And Kirk was like, well, this is perfect, you know, let's go for it, let's collaborate. And Michael Douglas was like, no, I don't think you're right for the role. And it shows how committed Michael Douglas was to his Hollywood career to the extent that, you know, it's like, no, Dad, get out of the way. Even though you've given me this idea, yeah. I've taken it from you. And this is your, like, um, golden goose. Uh, I'm still not interested, full stop. Um, Rave reviews. So Rave reviews, not ripping, rave, 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 like a like a nineties acid house rave. People high on uh, ecstasy, wearing um, diapers. They used to dress up like children, didn't they? Which was a bit crazy. Um, so, but then it was a case of um, Michael Douglas. Well, it shows how a businessman he was, because he was primed and ready to to appear in himself. Because that was the whole idea. I'll produce it, but I'll be in it. It was almost like a Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Google Hunting vibe. But then Jack Nicholson was interested, and um, he had to put his ego aside again and just say, "No, Jack Nicholson is a far better actor." And also, Jack Nicholson had just done Chinatown at that point, so. Um, that was um, a, so he was, he was riding high, but also, um, so it was a case of having a big movie star involved, but also you could see Jack Nicholson just being better in the role. Simple as that. So for, on the on the Douglas front, so Michael Douglas would have won an Oscar for that. Well, maybe. Um, m- maybe. I think, well, he got a best, no, no, no. He got the film won Best Picture. Oh. When, then, so he would have gone up on stage and got an Oscar. Okay. Oh, I see. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So he would have been a producer. But you're right. Yeah. Maybe. You know. You never know. Yeah. That was a bit like me, sort of saying, "Oh no, no we're telling me. An Oscar." Yeah. I just want to see. Thirty-seven. So Jack Nicholson was forty-seven, fifty-seven, sixty-seven, seventy-seven. Bloody hell! He was late, mid to late thirties. In one flow of the cookies. Shit. Yeah, it took him a while, wasn't it? Because he spent his 20s, Jack Nicholson, appearing in low-budget Roger Corman films. And I think he was in his early 30s for Easy Rider, Raging Bull. He was quite mature for that. It was almost kind of Han Solo, Harrison Ford age. Oh, God. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at images of Jack Nicholson in the movie. He just looks really cool. Do you know what's really cool is that when he was nominated for a BAFTA, and this is worth checking out on YouTube, when he was nominated for a BAFTA 
um, for Chinatown. He did his acceptance speech, actually won it, I should say. Uh, he did his acceptance speech on the set of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because he was filming at the time. Have you seen that on YouTube or anything? Um, it is on YouTube. You can check it out on YouTube. And I think Danny DeVito appears briefly because Michael Douglas and Danny DeVito were roommates in Hollywood. And that's how Danny DeVito got the role. They were roommates in Hollywood for a long, long time. Because once again, they're all TV stars. He was in Taxi. Michael Douglas was in his San Francisco cop show. And the TV bunch very much... I think it's called Streets of San Francisco. It is. You are quite right, Captain. I should have looked that up myself. That's appalling research. Um, DDDPPP. Actually, uh, quick, quick question for people watching. Is there anyone who hasn't seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? And the second thing is DDDPPP says Nicholson didn't take a wage for the film. Instead, what? instead he took he a, take a slice. He took a percentage share. Oh well, he'd have done very well then. God, that's him going into Joker mode, isn't he? He's no fault. No, because I mean, it cost um, something like four point five million to make, and it made way over a hundred million. So he'd have done incredibly well. But I mean, he's. Um, his contract for the Joker was just incredible, wasn't it? He had it built into his contract that if there was a sequel to Batman, he would get a percentage of the box office. So he had nothing to do with Batman Returns, which ironically starred Danny DeVito, didn't it? We're back into DeVito territory. He had nothing to do with Batman Returns, but he got a plum sum of the actual box office. Guy Anderson and Dan Crawford both say, I haven't seen One Flew Over the Cookies Nest. Wowzers, you are in for a treat then, people. It's it's HBO quality prestige drama, quality, you know, proper up there. Uh, je ne sais quoi. Oh, it's got je ne sais quoi coming out of his oh asshole. Written with lipstick, je ne sais quoi on the side of the actual you know poster. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just an image that came to mind. Sorry, I was just reading a questions from someone in the YouTube, but it's not. It's not relevant to the... Uh, apologies, everyone. I shall cut no, that not, bit not out of the all. pod. Not at all. So, not at all. Um, did you... You obviously sat down and watched it again, or did you not? Or Oh, yeah. God, yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay. sat down and watched it. It's all about having a new reaction and experience to the um, to the film at Great. Was it movie. as good, not as good, or better than you remembered? Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'd say the third act was better than I remember. The third what about act, the fiddly second act? Fiddly second act. That's still good because um, they're at loggerheads, him and Nurse Ratchet. Oh, there are just so, no you know, moments in the film where Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally this is great, a one yeah. sitting. Yeah, yeah, it is a one sitting, 100%. The third act, um, there isn't, there's nothing low with the second act because it's about, you know, uh, escalating their relationship, him and Nurse Ratchet. And um, the third act, though, is like a masterclass in script writing. It really, really is. It's a domino effect. Cause and effect, cause and effect. Reveal, 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 reveal. It cause really and effect. Cause and effect. Reveal, reveal, reveal. Reveal, reveal, reveal. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Reveal, reveal, reveal. Cars and effect. legs would do a great remix of that. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Reveal, reveal, reveal. Cars and I can imagine different cars and I can imagine singing this on like 80s Top of the Pops. 
for some reason I could imagine um, a bit like Wham, three smashing looking ladies that aren't being, you know, used for their sexuality. They, they'll have the same oh, amount they can of, sing. They can sing. They can sing and they can dance. And you and me will be ma- wearing matching shell suits. Cars and effect. Cars and effect. Reveal, 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 reveal. 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 And then maybe with the reveal, we'd um, do like a Bucks Fizz with the skirts. Jeff da- you can't do that no, now, can you? Yeah. Uh, Jeff, no, Jeff Dale just says, man, that's catchy. Cars and effect. Oh, wow. Cars and effect. Cars and reveal, effect. Reveal, 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 reveal. Cars and effect, reveal. If we ever did like a script writing podcast, that maybe would be our theme tune. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It's a thought. Food for it's, thought. It's good to have thoughts, isn't it? It keeps you going. So, keeps your projection. Can you tell... Oh. I guess Guy and uh, was it Dan said they haven't watched the film. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to talk about. Well, I can just give like a a, a vague framework. Well, it'd be I a shame not to eighty nine years. Jesus, I know God. when is when is something not a spoiler? I Do you know, know what I mean? I know. Well, it's time to reveal, reveal, reveal. reveal. Yeah, go on then. What's it about, David? Um, basically, um, Jack Nicholson is a. Um, they don't say exactly why, but he's broken the law somehow. And um, he's going to be given farming duties in a farm prison. And he doesn't fancy the idea of that, understandably, you know, picking corn and raking allotments or whatever they get up to in prison gardens. And um, so he pretends to be mad, completely insane. So instead he can spend his, his time in a mental home, which will be a lot more, in his mind, luxurious than having to actually be in a prison setting working on a farm i guess there's no manual work involved it's more of a case of just you know opiates painkillers and just you know chilling on your behind type of thing opiates? that's what he thinks opiates not opiums opiates um what are they called falcon what are those particular ones called opiates and they're they're, they're very mental homes have them not it's called i keep thinking the word viking Valcom, vacarim or something i can't remember it's a well-known opiate drug it begins with a v valium but, i mean it's not valium it's something else apparently matthew perry was taking 55 a day on the set of friends and um it's very much uh the, the go-to drug no, sorry why i'm home. laughing why why do i why did that make me laugh i don't know it's just well, the 55 exact number, a lot, bang every day just the exact number made me laugh 55 because when you see um Matthew Perry on Friends. When he's lost loads of weight, that means he's on painkillers. Oh. When he's on a lot of weight, he's back on the old pub and sauce. He's back drinking alcohol. V- Vicodin? Vicodin, yes, I believe that is it. There is Vicodin. And uh, basically, um, so Jack Nicholson enters the actual um, mental home. They let him stay because they think he's insane. But then he starts to have a toxic relationship with the nurse, the head nurse of the mental home called Nurse Ratchet. And he believes that she's controlling them too much. She's um, a dictator, a bit of a fascist. And he thinks that these people that he starts bonding with, the mental home in, in, um, patients, need to live a little, getting, you know, uh, enjoy their life, watch a baseball game on TV, have the odd outing. And she feels as though um, he, she's... She's like she, something from a horror, control. isn't she? Yes. Having said that, though, it's got to be said, watching a game with new eyes, when you in the first act of the film, she's a bit more human than I remember. She's just very corporate. She's very passionate about her job. Um, she says hello to all the staff. She's a bit more three-dimensional. She's not Darth Vader. Darth Vader. But 
Darth Vader. Let's use his name correctly. Right, that's um, interesting. Okay. Yeah, there's a bit more of a human aspect to her. But then when her ego is bruised more and more by Nicholson, it becomes more petty and more vicious. And then she becomes more unlikable. I mean, don't get me wrong, at the beginning, you want to, wouldn't want to invite her to your bar mitzvah or your party or whatever. She seems a real bore. But she's not immediately Godzilla. But there's an immediate, there's an amazing scene where you know he's crossed the line, where there's some kind of scuffle that he's involved with, and her nurse hat is knocked off her head. And um, she has to pick it up. And it's very well performed. She really looks incredibly crestfallen that her outfit has been knocked off and she has to, like, you know, rearrange her hair and put it back on. And um, you can tell that that's perhaps the worst thing that's happened to her than any of the actual proper medical insurance-based um, rule-breaking that he does. And also, when you look at um, Jack Nicholson's character at times, he does seem like a kind of just unruly teenager. When I look at it again with from more mature eyes... You're on Nurse, Nurse Ratchet's side, aren't you? Not so much on her side, but definitely kind of um, a bit more empathetic towards her at the beginning. And he just seems like um, a, naughty boy. a child in a class. He's just a naughty boy. He's not the cool rebel that I remember just immediately empathising with at the beginning. It's more like you just want to create chaos for the sake of it, mate. You're bored. Right. Maybe you should have been working on the farm. Right. At least it keeps trouble. Right, okay. You've potentially got a good thing here, but you can't help yourself. Yeah. Okay. But then as the narrative develops... You know, she just becomes... Fucking hell, I just more... remember what happens at the end. Oh, yeah, there's a lot, there's lots that happened. Honestly, oh my there's God. lots of moments in the end where you think, well, that would be a satisfying ending. That would be a satisfying end. No, more, more. And it pays things off from the beginning. It's not just over-the-top elaborate twists that you just think, well, if a UFO landed in the garden now, they wouldn't see that happening. You know, it's not it's not over the top. It's like it's baked into the script. Dramatically, it makes sense to the psychology of the characters. It's um, There's lots going on there. Very, very impressed. Really, I'd say it's... I you keep know, remembering a little bit. Writing. The Native American who... Oh, yeah, the twist with him. The little twist. And before that happens, I'd say there's even bigger twists... Because also there's the other guy who's got stutter um, and she knows his mother. Nurse Ratchet knows his mother and constantly uses that. Mm. Well, well, you can do that if you want, but uh, Could you your do your nurse, nurse Ratchet impression? Because I know you do it at parties. Oh, absolutely. Like you do, you um, actually do this too much at parties, but... I just get, If I've had one too many cocktail, one too many tequila, I just go Ratchet and okay. I just sort of go into the... So this is David's famous Nurse Ratchet impression. So I'd walk through the party like I'm walking through the hospital. Morning. Morning, people. Morning. Why hasn't bed five been uh, made? If we could do that straight away. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. Morning. Um, have the drugs been uh, properly laid out alphabetically? Yes, morning. Morning, Suzanne. Morning. How do people morning. feel when you do this at like, house parties? If they don't know it's one flew of the cookies nest, one, they, don't, they wonder why I'm referring to morning because it's in the evening. And um, I think they think that, you know, perhaps I'm being seduced by some kind of illegal drug in my brain box type of thing. I've, I've slipped a, fr a few yellow pills of a smiled face on, but it's not at all. I'm just referencing a film, simple as. 
a classic piece of 70s Americana. Yeah, you bloody nail it when you do it, though. So if you do know the movie and you are at the house party, you're going to go, fucking hell, he's doing Nurse Ratchet. Absolutely. That first famous scene where we're introduced to the character, I try to create it as immersive as possible. Yeah. So, I'm just trying to think. Um, but yeah, we've got to talk about this. But sorry, everyone. I I'm just always, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but obviously it's been out 85 years. So, um, let's just tell us about the twists in the movie. The twists in the movie, you have... Um, Basically, uh, Jack Nicholson does the... Oh, there's an amazing... Jack Nicholson has managed to get keys and he's going to escape from the mental home. But before he goes, he wants to show people a very good time. And he invites his um, two lady friends into the actual mental home for a party. Are they and sex they workers? To drink. They are sex workers. Well, you get the idea that they are. Because one of them, he arranges for... Um, younger chap who's like in his 20s with a stutter with Billy. And, and, Billy Billy that is it yeah. and Ratchet knows Billy's mother oh god um, she arranges for him to lose his virginity and uh, once they lose their virginity uh, he and um, the, the American native Indian are then going to leave the mental home simple as that and uh, and he says to the American Indian it won't take long don't worry type of thing you know but it'd be a nice little uh, au revoir for him to uh, pop his cherry so to speak and there's an amazing piece of acting where the camera just lingers on Jack Nicholson's face as he takes a seat waiting for this virginity activity to um, become to an end virginity you're like uh, like it's a PE lesson and then virginity activity took me suddenly came in Oh. took you out yeah and um, so he's just waiting outside the room is he for it yeah and he's just sat there and the camera just lingers on him and he gets heavy eyes and he slowly falls asleep and then he wakes up and it is the next morning and obviously the next staff are turning up and they're opening up and he's potentially lost his opportunity to um yeah leave escape, the mental home escape escape so you've got that as a massive twist then um uh, they're looking around confused the mental home team like well, what's going on here because everyone's drunk they've been drinking alcohol and uh, when this is how far into the movie is that party uh, oh this is the third act it's right at the end right right at the end and um, then Jack Nicholson tries to unlock the key a nurse tries to stop him he slams him in the jaw and then someone else um, stops him but then Nurse Ratchet finds Billy and the sex worker sleep in his mental home room. And Ratchet um, says she's going to tell his mother. I just remember what happens to Billy now. Yeah. Billy commits suicide, sadly. And, um, yeah, I mean, massive revelation there. Oh, my God. Massive revelation. Then... Oh, my God. You've got an amazing piece of acting. The camera just lingers once again. There's no editing by Milos Foreman, where um, Nicholson then tries to strangle Nurse Ratchet. And it looks very, very real. It's like you're watching a, a potential snuff movie. Fuck. Simple as that. There's so many bits that keep coming back to me. And then, so you've got that. You've got, you've got, uh, committed to, imagine watching that in cinema. You know, he wakes up. He's overslept his opportunity to leave the mental home. She turns up, finds Billy in bed. He commits suicide. 
Nicholson then tries to strangle Ratchet. Then um, Nicholson is tied up on a, um, a bed and is taken to frontal lobe electrotherapy. And then so when he comes in and pretends he's, he sort of stumbles into the room and pretends he's. Yes, that's it. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, and then the native Indian finds him completely lost. He's had another bout of electrotherapy, and um, you know they've completely erased his personality. He's gone. And then the native American Indian suffocates him with a pillow, and then takes a water fountain. I think he smashes through the window and runs off into the hills. I mean, holy shit! I mean, that's done in 15, 20 minutes. And it's like, you know, a domino cause and effect element, like we said earlier. Cause and effect, cause and effect, reveal, reveal, reveal. What you tell me now? Cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect, reveal, reveal, reveal. One more time, cause and effect, cause and effect, reveal, reveal, reveal. Give me some. Give me an Oscar, son. Always trying to catch up. Trying to catch up with that. Trying to keep in rhythm. Oh, I just want to watch it. Do you know what? I'm going to... Ask Naomi if she's seen One Flow of the Cookies next. I want to watch it. But it's a complete masterclass in um, the third act ending. Set up, complete, set up, complete. And everything's been carefully set up in the background um, all the time. And it's the Native American who finally leaves and has the strength to uh, to move on. Also, the other thing is um, watching a game with with older eyes, you understand the political commentary in the film more. That it's all about individuality being taken away by the system, and uh, the idea that you know. And he's got drugs, like the, the best character, isn't he? Um, uh, Jim, what's his name? Not Jim Redford. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. He's just got Jack Nicholson. He's so sort of. Um, sort of lovable rogue and just so oh, entertaining massively. and by the end of the movie gone oh 100% gone yeah he's just being completely so she's um, she's committed murder in a way and at that point there's no empathy towards Ratchet she's you know an evil creature you still fancy her oh, well, why not she is quite a looker she's, she ain't bad on the eye without sounding too chauvinistic and objectifying women but she, you're allowed um, to find someone attractive. Absolutely. So we, we got to that stage now. You can't find someone attractive. You can definitely. She'd be a nightmare at home. Jimmy, you wouldn't be able to live with her. Can't say that. That's quite right. Absolutely. I think she'd be a woman who would leave um, hair, you know, bits of hair on um, doors, knowing that you'd open cupboards and you would take a whole spider. Why hair on doors? Yeah, you would. Um, Connery did it in Doctor No where you take a single hair you lick it and then you put it on the uh, the door or something that should be um, open by anyone else and then you check if that hair's still there that's what Bond does in Doctor No um, when he first enters a Jamaican hotel room absolutely you still got hair you better use it sir and you, you lick it all over the place you it's, it's a poor man's surveillance system who needs an amazon camera phone camera bell in your front yard camera bell indeed camera bell that's the one. Oh, this movie i yeah it's it's a masterclass it really Wait, is I mean, we're, come on we're talking one sitting aren't we oh yeah 100 percent. i mean if that's if this isn't a one sitting jesus christ also the other thing that's really interesting is that there's some great cutaway shots every now and then 
of the actual mental home of, um, I don't know, Danny DeVito playing poker or Christopher Lloyd shuffling around so you get like cutaways of what they're all up to. And they look very naturalistic because their rehearsal footage and actual fact, Milos Forman just wanted them to be their characters for a day. Really? And um, he actually used that rehearsal footage in the end as cutaways. And also, there's another interesting story. Milos Forman never shows early footage to the cast because he feels though um, they get into their heads too much. And the whole cast start to lose faith in the film. And they started to lose faith on faith with Milos Forman because it was his first big Hollywood film. So he had to show them footage early because he had a bit of a mutiny on his hands. And when they saw what he was Did doing... They? Yeah, he did definitely. They got some more, you know. They um, they had faith in him. But it's it was a memory of, of Danny DeVito's character. He's so good, isn't he? He's just sort of. Oh, it's Martini, isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible performance. Yes, yeah, it's incredible. Really, and Christopher Lloyd's really good in it as well. Is there a guy they, when they're having a party does a little dance on his own, like an old yes, guy? Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like room dancing, like something up like shining. Yeah, exactly. Kind of Someone said in the <laughs> chat. Can you talk about the football game? Oh, God, yeah. They turn the TV off, don't they? And then Jack Nicholson, through the power of imagination, still pretends it's on. And that winds up Ratchet 100%. Because she's like, even though I've turned the TV off, she's still rallying. Yeah, so they're they're still excited, shouting, screaming. And, um, yeah, turns it off early type of thing. So... Uh, before the game comes to an end and that is um, yeah it's a classic scene definitely it's almost um, almost a bit too Hollywood that moment in a way do you know what I mean it's like you know the individual's imagination can, uh, can break the system to a certain degree I, I enjoyed it certainly but um, it's definitely a 1970s nihilistic kind of movie isn't it in the sense of the system will chew you up at some point. Interestingly, they did a, not a sequel, but they did something, a, a Michael Keaton film, where Christopher Lloyd appears, and it's in a mental home, and they have an outing, a day outing, and uh, there's lots of references to One on Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest in that movie. What's that? What film's that? I think it's called Dream Team. I could be completely wrong, and it's a far more Hollywood-fied, more comedic take. But, um... Come, oh There's right. lots of okay, yeah. Dream team. Keaton's in it, yeah. and Mark Keaton has a Nicholson-esque element about him, type of thing. That madness quality, and Christopher Lloyd plays a character that's almost a more mature, older version of his character in One for the Cousins. But it's certainly not an official sequel. Jeff Dale says on YouTube, the football is the football uh, scene is such a great scene. Stop being a party pooper, Edwards. Quite right. Stop being a ratchet about it, mate. Yeah, you are the ratchet of the movie review scene. I really am. It has to be said. Yeah. Am it's I the J- Am I the Jack Nicholson? That's the plan. Absolutely. You know, it's um, it, with any um Haribo's sweet snack, you need the sour and sweet, don't you? That metaphor is terrible, but no, yeah, there okay. you go. Good cop, bad cop. Um, anything else you want to say about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Have you got any nuggets that might be information nuggets? Oh, yeah, God, yeah, lots of um, information. You got any facts I mean, that might blow our nut? Okay, this this blow both my nuts. I'm a eunuch. I've left a eunuch after this. I was completely kind of um, castrated in shock. Basically, um, to promote the film, 
in um, in 74, uh, Time magazine researcher interviewed Jack Nicholson on the phone to promote the movie. And she said to him, you know, like any celebrity interviewer, they, they do research into their, their past. And uh, he was asking about his past before being famous. And um, she said to him, this researcher, do you realize that your sister June is actually your mother? And he was completely shocked and confused. And at that point, his sister passed away. So he couldn't talk to his sister. But then he got actual private detectives to look into it. And it turns out that, yes, his sister, June, was actually his mother. And um, Hang on a minute. His sister, June, was his mother. Yes. Well, who he thought was his mother... Sorry, who he thought was his sister growing up was really his mother. Um... Well, in the sense that um, it would have been inappropriate that his sister was pregnant during that period and they wanted to keep it a secret. Wow, I'm so confused. You've absolutely chopped my testes off with that. And also, apparently, um, uh, his other sister was actually his aunt. Well, that would be the case, wouldn't it? That would be the I case. just wanted you to say Danny DeVito had size 14 shoes. Jesus. No, no, it's a big old, um, it's a big situation. So I'm guessing is um, who he thought his mother was was his grandmother. So that would I'm be thinking. like me doing a, like promoting something that I've done recently, and the journalist saying, "Do you know that your sister is your mother?" Yes. Okay. And she passed off. away. I wouldn't. I'd go. What? What are you talking about? She, she died in '63. Yeah. Oh no, his grandmother, who's his mother, died in '63, and his uh, sister, who was his biological mother, died in 1970. So they weren't around to. So um, got to do with the old journalist. Well, oh, Jeremy, you know I mean? that's what happens. You've got a bit of garbage. It's time to share it and see what his reaction is. Um, but yeah, that was a, a massive shocker. Any any other little um, factoids I've got. Where was it filmed, um, David? Um, I don't know ah, exactly. So I should I'm have found out the exact place. I've please, never, please do. Oh, Total Oscars. The film uh, was nominated for nine and won five. Uh, all the it basically won the big five. So supporting actor, best cinematographer, best picture, best director, and best actor, and best adapted screenplay. So all the key ones, it actually won. And um, its budget was 4.4 million, but it went on to make 108 million. Um, It was shot in a wing of the Oregon State Mental Hospital between the 24th and the 25th Street. Gosh. The condition of filming at the hospital was at the period not to be not not be updated from the original 1963. The wing used J building has since been demolished. Well, I know. You could tell that it was a real location. You can definitely tell that wasn't an actual set. Um, oh, I hate it when they demolish filming locations. I hate it so much. I hate it. Oh, incredibly so. Well, it's like um, I saw a, a film location um, uh, location scouting video of the um, mansion for Batman that Christian Bale uses, and that's completely derelict, and people break into it. 
and it's slowly just crumpling away. But you can still see parts of the, even though it's crumpling away, you can still see parts of it. You think, oh yeah, okay, they filmed in the mansion. I remember there was a scene with Michael Caine there, but there's no um, attempt to actually, uh, you know, look after it or anything like that. It's just slowly kind of, um, well, I think the only thing you could do with it now is just knock it down. But it's quite surprising, really. I thought people would pay good money to wander around a Batman, Bruce Wayne mansion, ironically. Sorry, Dave, I'm just looking at filming locations of um, one from the, one from the, uh, it's all the boating trip. Yeah, I was about to say the boating trip's a big, big one when they go on an actual outing, a day out. That would have been big. But then that, the whole thing is in the mental home, isn't it? Uh, there's the basketball scene when they go outside. So I'm imagining that's probably, and they get the Native American to uh, chuck the ball into the hoop every time. DDD PPP says it's Obama's favourite movie. Really? Well, it's definitely got his kind of like political agenda attached to it, isn't it? The rise of the individual not being sucked in by the sort of fascist system. It was nearly Marlon Brando as McMurphy Murphy and Shelley Devour's Candy. Would have been a completely different film, that. That would have been a massively completely different film. I think during that period, though, Marlon Brando was almost down for every single movie. There was something I heard recently that, um, oh, Lolita... He was um, down for Marlon Brando. It's like Marlon Brando was almost down for everything at one point. I think he had a meeting for every single role. Apparently, many of the extras were authentic mental patients. Gosh, I didn't know that. That is, um, that almost like could be a bit of a health and safety nightmare, couldn't it? I don't know if that's uh, clever or a bit ridiculous because I mean I thought uh, Danny DeVito and Christopher Lloyd did a perfectly good job I didn't need anyone in the background to add to any kind of um, you know bigger sense of reality well David now now's your time to review uh, give uh, one for over the cuckoo's nest um, how many chock ices are you going to give one for over the cuckoo's nest if that makes any sense um, everybody everybody in the chat if you could guess how many uh, chalk ices David is going to give uh, one flow of the cuckoo's nest? I will uh, have a guess myself. Please put your guesses into the uh, into the um, into the chat. Here we go. I've just got a pen out, just writing down how many chalk ices out of five I think David is going to give. One fly for the cuckoo's nest. <clears throat> okay, people are putting their guesses in. I'm going to put mine in. David, how many chuck ices out of five are you going to give one flip over the cuckoo's nest? Without a doubt, five chuck ices are coming out of the freezer. Absolutely. And also, God, it's not like there's a lot of films I look back on. And um, you just think, God, that's like I saw Gremlins recently, and it's, it's good in places. There's great set pieces, but you think, God, there's some, you know, there's not great moments here. And I'm a massive Indiana Jones fan, and I, I go back and watch some of those, and I think, God, the second act's not really paced. But you can see why One Flew of the Cookies Nest is a classic. I mean, you know, the um, the story, the script. How can it be anything but? How can it be anything but? I watched it with new eyes and if I saw that in the cinema today at Cineworld you know I went to, and I'd, I'd be impressed you know 
it's like Back to the Future. You know, I can watch that without any nostalgia whatsoever and just watch it as a piece of storytelling. And I mean, God, if, if you want to sing the cause and effect reveal song to anything, it is Back to the Future. And, you know, Mother of the Cuckoo's Nest, definitely. It's got everything. It's got really good acting, but also a really well-constructed script for a, for, a, for a sort of modern audience as well. You know, it's kind of... It's not pretentious. It's not up itself a bit. You know what I mean? It's like um, I saw the Scorsese film recently, uh, Killer of the the, um, the Flower Moon, and it's got many good elements. But God, it's long, and in places it's really slow. And one of the cookies in this shows that you can have that contemporary, modern, crowd-pleasing plot pace zigzag but at the same time it can be um acting and character study to a high level do you know what i mean it can have that european cinema vibe of character focus but still have that hollywood element at the same time well i'm just going to go into the uh, youtube uh, the comment chat see what people guessed uh, ddd pvp said it's a whopping five liam diamond thought you'd come up with 4.5 dj swad 5 kb5 richard bayliss 4.5 Alex Gosher and Sal Willis both said five, as did Stink Bits. Trickster came in with a 4.5. Uh, Guy Anson, five. Dan Coleshill-Jones, 4.5. Jeff Dale says five. And Nick Bumfield said five. Simple as that. It's a five. If this it's isn't a, a five... five Let's just do it. Absolutely. 24-7. David, thank you. I, I, I'm definitely going to watch it again. Um, I just forgot. So, I've watched it so many times. And... I'd forgotten so many bits and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. You're, it'll definitely be a good one for you and your writing. I think, you know, structure and pace and things like that. What the fuck's that mean? Oh, you know, you, you enjoy, you know, you're a writer type <laughs> of... Uh, no, yeah. God, I wanted to find out. what are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, God. You'll definitely yeah. like that with the old pacing and structure and stuff like that. It's just, um, it really is a, it's a, it's a masterclass of... Um, yeah, geez, the third act. And as you say, it's not in any way baggy in the second act because their relationship's gearing up type of thing. It's almost sort of Tom and Jerry type of vibe. Do you know what I mean? These two these two people just rubbing each other the wrong way. DJ Swad said, you cheeky sod. Well said. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I had to cross that It'd cheeky really sod It'd be really good for your writing, you know, you know, the pacing and the... Uh... <laughs> oh, dear me. <laughs> I could just see some improvements that you might Listen, know. Listen, I'm trying say. my best, David. So you can do something. 100%. Absolutely. I'm a fan of that best. So it goes, it goes without saying. So it wasn't in any way patronising whatsoever. Now, someone said in the uh, chat, they, uh, rec- uh, not recommended, they offered up another deep dive. Normally, it's a deep dive from me that I really care about so that I, I want to see what David thinks. But absolutely, the uh, recommendation here. I thought, yeah, I'd like a bit of that. Can we do the Shining next? Oh gosh, yeah, definitely the Shining. That'd be um, that'd be absolutely superb. Do you know what? I could be wrong about this. But um, and once again, very unprofessional. I should have looked this up. But am I right in thinking? You know, in the Shining, chap who um, comes back to the hotel because he also has the Shining. And um, Jack Nicholson puts an axe into his stomach. He's a well-known actor, African-American chap. 
and um, he comes back you see him on the plane he makes a massive journey all the way back to the hotel and then he turns up and he hasn't even wiped his feet and he gets an axe, axe in the belly um, is he also in one full of the cuckoo's nest I can't, do you know I've think, only seen The Shining once so I don't oh god you're in for a treat if you've only seen it once blooming heck I think it's the same actor and I think it's the actor who gets drunk with him during the party and uh, lets in the um, ladies of the night, which Billy, you know, has his um, cherry exploded by. Is there an old lady in a bath in The Shining? Oh, 100% there is. Well, she, she's very alluring at the beginning, isn't she? She's like Scatman Crothers. That is it. Scatman Crothers. Is he in both of them? Ah, Scatman Crothers. Him, yeah, 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 yeah. I've yeah, seen yeah. two interviews with him where he can't talk much about Jack Nicholson without breaking into tears. Proper tears. He's just so excited to work with him. Oh, really? Literally, literally in tears. But yeah, the bath scene's amazing because she's an absolute... Um, Bitch. She's hot stuff, the lady in the bath right. at the beginning. And then he goes in for an embrace and a, uh, a naughty kiss. And then he pulls back thinking you know this is just delicious and then she's like a, a, a nasty hag he just manically keeps <laughs> laughing at him yeah. and uh, it's quite a um have you ever watched the making of the shining i think i have i think I have. that's by yeah. vivian kubrick isn't it stanley kubrick's daughter and that's amazing well let's let's go into the shining on another episode but for now we need to t- close the door on the deep dive uh, vault which is lovely. Absolutely. And thank you, indeed. Thank you so much for that, David. The one for over, flew over the cuckoos. I love that. Um, no, no, no. I enjoyed going for it with you, sir. Going for it with you. Um, thank you, everyone, for watching live. Uh, the Trickster, DDD, Jeff Dale, everybody, Dan, everybody else. Um, uh, DDD PPB says Room 237 is a d- good documentary about The Shining, but we. Oh, there is. That's a really good one. But we won't talk about, about The Shining. No. no, we will not talk about the shining, but that's definitely um, one that we need to watch alongside the um, alongside the shining, definitely because that's fascinating. That one. Have you seen it? Two, three, no, seven. No, I don't one, think two? so. You would like it. It's conspiratorial. It's the idea of Kubrick, you know, uh, embedding the film with lots of messages and things in that vein. Okay. Because people have watched it so many times. Let, let's save it for the show. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep right. this episode nice and tidy. You're not Jack Nicholson <laughs> if you want electrotherapy, mate, because you're not going to keep in step with the rest. Well, That's what's going to happen, Edwards. Rightly so. And I put I put the electrodes on my own temple. We've just given the little taste of The Shining. Absolutely. Don't yeah. start the mill already. We've already had one mill. You've been greedy, Edwards. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Guy Anderson. Thank you for this midweek treat. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy your working days. And, uh, yeah. I'll see you on Friday, David. Looking forward to it, sir. Looking forward to it. Have a lovely day and I'll see you in two sleeps time. Was it effective?